Big weekend in the Big 12. A lot of interesting games. It starts at 11 a.m. on Saturday with Alabama and Texas. Also at 11 a.m. on Saturday, Missouri and Kansas State. 2 p.m. Houston at Texas Tech. I think there's a really good chance that that might end up being the best game of the day. Donovan Smith will start for Texas Tech with the injuries that that took place. Iowa State at Iowa, Kansas at West Virginia, Baylor, BYU, and of course this Saturday evening at 6 o'clock under the lights, Oklahoma hosts Kent State, and we're joined by one of my faves, man. He's a rock star. He will be on the ESPN Plus call. Ryan Leaf joins us on the program. What's going on, Ryan? How you doing, man? What's up, Plank? How we doing, buddy? Been a minute, man. It's been a minute. I'm good. I'm good. How excited are you to get to Norman and call a game this weekend? It's been a while. You know, the last time I was in Norman was for C.D. Lamb and uh, Jalen Hurts Pro Day. That was pre-pandemic. So wow. this is, will be the, the first time I've gotten back to Norman in a while. Coach Venables is there now. I, I worked with him and uh, his, his team while they were at Clemson. Love that guy. We've been in contact. Uh, told him I'm excited to see him this weekend. Just excited to see this team play, you know, post-Lincoln-Riley era. Um, you know, and just and, and immerse myself in the atmosphere about with Sooner Nation and the stadium. I've never, never got to a game there either in that stadium. Oh. So uh, the ESPN Plus one is, of course, going to be Sooner Vision, right? The yep. Sooner Vision broadcast. Uh, excited for that. Well, you're like a coworker. Welcome to Sudervision, Ryan. You're part of the family now. Uh, are you ta- are you going to talk to the team, or do you, would you rather me not? Would you rather not mention that right now? Um, I'm not coming in. I okay. I, I'm not coming in until late Friday night. Gotcha. So I don't get a chance to to really be a- around the team uh, much. But uh, I know Coach and I talked about that, and Good. we're gonna we're gonna put something together at some point. Awesome. In the spring, if not the fall. Uh, so I know you're just you know starting the groundwork on putting together the foundation for the broadcast this weekend. But looking back on Game One against UTEP, what you kind of take away from the Sooners' performance in Game One of the BV era? I thought they were physical, right? I, I mean, physical is is the is the Bob Stoops teams. I think that was lacking a little bit, uh, especially in the trenches uh, when when Lincoln Riley took over. He had incredible talent at the skill position. Um, but they looked physical, right? They looked like they could could handle their business. Uh, it's going to be important to stop the run, especially when, when you got the likes of Spencer Sanders and Baylor uh, breathing down your neck in this in this conference now. So I thought they were extremely physical. I thought Dylan Gabriel was was as advertised as what he's been throughout his career. And then I'm I'm interested to see what wide receivers you know step up, show up, um, where that goes. Uh, and and that's what I was most impressed of in week one with these guys. What what is it from a, a quarterback's perspective? And again, you 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 played the position. Uh, the hurry up was a thing, but it's not. It wasn't as omnipresent as it is now. When you're scouting these these no huddle offenses that that go right, we have no huddle offenses that'll take their time and at the line of scrimmage, look to the sideline, get their check. This isn't that offense. They they hit that line of scrimmage and they go. What's that like for a quarterback? How quick does the mind have to be moving? How exciting, but then in the same vein, kind of challenging can that be? Well, I think it's kind of the opposite, Chris. Like, with what Jeff, Jeff Levy does, is he, he simplifies it for his quarterback, right? Same thing with Matt Corral a year ago. What he does is when he goes that fast, you are going to get a vanilla defense. You're not going to be able to see a lot of schemes. 
So you break it down and make it more simple for the quarterback and what he sees. So he's not overthinking. Hmm. I think a lot of times when you are taking your time at the line of scrimmage, that gives the defense an opportunity to show you something pre-snap and then be something com- completely opposite post-snap, which gives you some problems. When you're going that fast, defenses can't be as exotic as they want to be. And therefore, it simplifies things for D- Dylan Gabriel. He sees things more clearly and executes better, I believe. Ryan Leaf is going to be on the call Saturday night for Oklahoma and Kent State. That's on the ESPN Plus broadcast. I, I, I want to veer off for just a minute. You uh, had a clip that we, we listened to quite a bit on the show yesterday uh, about the Pac-12 and its potential spot in the playoffs. And obviously, some teams early looking good, right? USC has started out well. Um, Oregon did not. Washington actually looked pretty good against Kent State last week. But you were quick to say, hey, hey, not so fast on trying to eliminate Utah. Yeah, that stunk, but this is still a really good football team that could have something to say in the championship picture. Yes, of course. I mean, they, they, they made some big mistakes, right? They, they didn't tackle well, had the most missed tackles in, uh, in, in a decade, uh, Coach Whittingham said. And then, they, and then they turned it over twice inside the five-yard line, right? And that's just not going to get it done on the road in SEC country, regardless of what SEC opponent you're playing. And it just kind of continued the narrative of the Pac-12 not being able to get it done against non-conference, uh, big-time non-conference opponents. So, uh, but if you look back to a year ago, this team lost two out of their first three games to BYU and San Diego State and then had the best season that they'd ever had in, in school history and got a championship and went to the Rose Bowl. Now, we've never had a team go undefeated in Pac-12 play, so that would be an anomaly. That would be the first that would set precedent if they were to do that. If they were able to do that and they're a, a 12-1 and Pac-12 champion uh, and they're up against uh, you know an, another 12-1 another and champion somewhere that I, I think they would really get a good look especially if florida continues to play well we'll see what they could do this weekend against kentucky uh moving forward and and kind of, i'm curious because before we get back to ou i do want to ask you about just the conference in general because for those uh, ryan works pac-12 radio obviously played at washington state uh covers the league he lives in la so he's all over it covers it tightly i'm a firm believer that there is a future for the pac-12 i really do um i know that you have teams that are taking meetings with the Big Ten and things of that nature. But am I, am I crazy when I see the expanded playoffs and I think there's going to be a seat at the table for the Pac-12? There's going to be a seat for the Oregons and the Washingtons and the Washington States of the world? I mean, am I just missing the boat here if I think that the Pac-12 can and will survive? Well, the expansion talks, right, the expansion uh, conversation that came out last week was a huge benefit to the Pac-12 because now those teams – are thinking, well, we'll get a shot. We don't have to go to the Big 12 to get just get the money. You know, we could get some, some college football playoff money, too, to, to help um, substantially. But unfortunately, Chris, is what's going to happen is, is there's going to be a spreadsheet that simply gets placed in front of these schools' presidents, whoever they are, and they're going to look at the red and the black, and they're going to make their decision because of that. Unfortunately, it's not going to have really anything to do with football. It's going to have everything to do with the bottom line. And it's going to be done in a very kind of sterile way with a spreadsheet in front of a president of the university who's making the decision on whether or not to go to the Big Ten for the, the, the huge amount of dollars. I, I agree with you in that uh, the expansion uh, of the college football playoff has benefited the Pac-12. It'll be very interesting to see now what the uh, media rights deal package that, that George Klyovkov puts together to put in front of these 
board of governors there for, for the Pac-12. But ultimately, and I think you know this is coming, we're, we're going to get to a point where there's a national collegiate football league, and there's going to be two conferences, just like the NFL, where, where there's anywhere from, what, 18 to 22 teams in each conference, and there's going to be teams outside of those uh, of that National Collegiate Football League that get relegated, essentially, right? And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, the likes of Washington State, um, you know, may be left out because of that. I, I, I still think that, that college football is going to exist in, in every realm. It's just going to look different, right? The NCAA is going to be uh, removed from the equation. There's going to be a commissioner or a czar over this, and the college football playoff ultimately is going to run this National Collegiate Football League. That's, that's where we're headed. Um, I can see it, and I think everybody's been able to see it for – for a decade now, but now it's really kind of coming into full form when we've seen these these uh, realignments start happening a year ago when Oklahoma and Texas uh, chose to head to the SEC. Ryan Leaf, couple more, and I'll get you out of here. Have you had a chance to really dive into Sean Lewis's team too much? Very, very similar, right, in an offensive background and what we might see. I mean, what, what do you think of Kent State coming in here on Saturday night? Yeah, I had him a couple years ago in his first season as a Kent State head coach against Wisconsin, and I was impressed with just their kind of scheme and the way they went about it. Now, they've lost a, a very good quarterback, and they're breaking in a new one in Colin Schley, and that, that, that for me is, is, uh, is, is something that's going to take some time, right? They, uh, they were overwhelmed by Washington last week, and uh, you know, Washington's a team that is in a huge transition, um, maybe maybe something similar to, to Oklahoma in terms of a coach and, and new quarterback and all the things that are are playing out. So um, I, I think they're I think they're a, a good team in the in the MAC conference. I think they're going to vie for another championship there this year. But you know it's it's going to be a game for Oklahoma to showcase what they're capable of doing, especially with with conference play heating up here in a couple weeks. Hey Ryan, Josh Elmer here. When you're talking about this turning into the National College Football League and basically the Big Ten and the SEC, two mega conferences that sort of rule everything, I'm with you. I can certainly see this thing. It feels like it's already heading down that path. I'm curious your take. I, I think I have a good idea whether or not you think, just generally speaking, this is good for college football or bad for college football. But from a fan perspective, do you worry a little bit that at some point – if, if a Washington State's on the outside looking in, if a Kansas State is on the outside looking in, TCU, you name it, right? Pick your pick your programs. We, we hear about Los Angeles and we get the appeal of a USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, but can there be collective harm in college football going that direction? Do you worry about a large number of fan bases sort of tapping out on that portion of college football if we go down that path that you're talking about with a national college football league well maybe maybe these in stadium audiences like the eyeballs on the televisions aren't going to go away right that's that's where all this money is being generated from so uh, yeah it's going to be unfortunate especially that let's say washington uh, is in and washington state isn't you know no longer having an apple cup right that would be it's the history of the game um, I, but I also think that people fear what they don't know, and they they say don't don't fix something that ain't broken. Well, you know the NCAA is really broken. Broken sports, really. They they ultimately just become this, you know, just big party planner. That's all they do, right? They plan, plan this big party in March, and that's all they really contribute to anything. And they really fell by the wayside in in, in taking 
college football and college basketball uh, where it needs to go. So somebody's going to. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, like there won't be a year like we had in 1997 where we got where we had a great year out of nowhere and uh, got to play for a national championship. Right, that won't happen. Now they'll be in a lower division. I would dare to say that lower division is going to be incredibly competitive, and they may be one of the cream of the crop at that lower division, and maybe win a championship that way too. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, throwing these things out. Relegation for me in this sense isn't. It's just, it's just too much money that's being made by these other schools that the the, the other ones just can't compete. They just, they just can't. You're all over the broadcast Saturday night, Ryan Leaf, ESPN Plus. Hey, before I let you go, man, congratulations. Tell me about. The new relationship with PointsBet, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have to tell you, this is something that me and my family have been working towards for a long time. Very right? cool. You know, and, and, and thankful to Rich Eisen, who has uh, kind of um, coined me his, his, his guest host when he's out. Um, he helped propel this, right? I think a lot of people wanted, and, uh, wanted me to, to have my own show, and, and PointsBet stepped up NBC Sports. And uh, you know it's gonna it's gonna have a different little spin to it, right? But we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about about the uh, the sports betting aspect of things because guess what? It's the future of the game. That's that's where this is headed. Once you saw the NFL uh, really fall into uh, fall into acceptance of that a few years back, this is where uh, where where um, watching sports, betting on sports is going. And so uh, we kind of kind of thought we'd we'd name it something a little different, kind of a, a montage of what I'm, what I'm doing with my life and, and what it's about. So you can, uh, you can listen uh, on YouTube and, and, and any other distribution sites you, you, you think fit. It's called The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf, and, yeah, we're really excited for it. We really are. Premieres tomorrow, Thursday, Premieres September tomorrow. 8th. Let's go, baby. Tomorrow. So yeah. pumped. That's why I'm. That's why I'm going to be late to Norman. <laughs> right, we got to do. We got to do our. We got to do our show, and I don't get a flight out of New York until like uh, like five o'clock. So, man, I'm so happy for you, Ryan. You're a you're an example, bro. I'm so proud of you. I'm so pumped to finally meet you in person this weekend. Uh, enjoy the new show, and can't wait to to see you in Norman this Saturday. Chris, I appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you too. All, All right, right we'll see everybody in uh, Norman on Saturday. Thanks. All right, buddy. I'll see you. It's Ryan Leaf. A uh, good guy, great dude. At Ryan D. Leaf on Twitter, the straight line. I liked what he had to say about the quarterback and, and kind of simplifying things for him, and thus you take the exotic nature out of the defenses, right? You you you're going so quick it doesn't allow them, or at least a non-Brent Venables led defense, in order to do the things that they want to do. So. I thought I felt like that was a fun forty-five minutes there. Heck yeah, Andy Staples, Ryan Leaf. Are you kidding me? Big time guest. You know, and, and also I, I I get it. We don't want to get into the mess of like the future of college football, Pac-12 versus playoff expansion. But his point about the the true just X and O's of this. And I'm talking about it being a spreadsheet, right? This you know, he's so a- right. I, I I love that. Uh, I mean, I there's a part of me that hates that, but I love that he can describe it like that. It's it is that simple, right? I mean, it's about being in the red or the black. Yeah, you're either you're either looking at it, or there's no either. You're looking at it as very financially as you possibly can. It's like, wait, we can do this here. 
And, and this plus this here? And this, okay, well, and, we're going with A. And you know what? There's a little bit, a very small, small percentage of the Big Ten that genuinely is concerned with the AAU situation. But, again, it's about what does this do collectively for our bottom line, right, in realignment. Stop selling us narratives about, oh, it's a, a great cultural fit and on and on and on. Stop it. It's about eyeballs. About dollars. All right, quick break. It's about the BCS. <laughs> that's right. You, you know, Mark this, Mangino. That's one of the great. We got to find that clip somewhere. Just, you know what this is about? BCS. That's what this is about. And you know what? Mangino was right then, yeah. and he's correct today, too. <laughs> um, can, can I tell you, ESPN is playing the clip right now, Brian Kelly from his press conference, and uh, he was talking about someone being late, and they said, well, maybe if, maybe if you win, we'll be on time. <laughs> that was right? so good. It was pretty good. And there's some people that are like, oh, the the lack of journalism and blah blah blah. And I I will say the thing I've noticed about Brian Kelly is he does he does seem to have a pretty good sense of humor about things, and I thought he handled it pretty well. Um, and she even said he was super chill about it. What Leah Van is that who it is? Boy, she's going viral today. There was something like, oh, the lack of journalistic integrity, blah. But I know. Is but, like, calm down. Calm down, people. Well, first off, he was a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. I mean. He always is. It was basically, look, I get it. Don't show up to my class late, right? But you single somebody out, and you don't know what the hell's going on in this person's life. I mean, <laughs> there could be a legitimate reason why they're running a little bit behind schedule. Opening statement just finished. <laughs> so if you're going to. If you're going to try and dress somebody down in front of everybody, yeah. well, then guess what? Get ready for yeah. uh, somebody to go right back Here, at you. Here's the funny part, though. This is going to be in like a 10-minute segment on first take, and I'm like, guys, it's just m- mention that it was a funny moment and move on. Does this mean Brian Kelly can't run a program? Let's get your takes on it, guys. Go around the table. <laughs> Who won the fight? Um, I, I had to laugh. I was, I was checking the Air Comfort Solutions text line to hit some text when we come back. And I didn't even catch it. Whenever True Sooner was on, he said Roman Gabriel was the quarterback for Kansas. It was Nolan Cromwell. <laughs> and I pulled up the, Roman Gabriel, Nolan Cromwell, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Uh, Oklahoma turned the ball over eight times in that game. Steve Davis, three for 12 for 63 yards. Oof. Horace Ivory did run for 139 yards, but unfortunately, I don't know any team on the planet that could survive turning the ball over eight times and still win the game. They won the game. They won the game. Hold on. Let me see how off. Did you see the ending of the game? It was the craziest finish Yeah, you ever. know, they threw it down there, and they, they, they did this, and they did that, and they, they – no, no. They won the game. Did Roman Gabriel at least go to Kansas? No. No, he went to North Carolina State. Sorry, True. I was trying to stand up for you there, but – All right, listen, we got a break. It is – 1022. When we come back, I want to hit the best early Air Comfort Solutions text at 405-651-3439. And we'll hit um, Renvenables Presser. Plus, True didn't bring up what Mike Gundy had to say about playoff expansion. I want to hit that as well right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Alright, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Alright, let's hit some of the Air Comfort Solutions texts as we roll towards the bottom of the hour, 1027. If you missed any of Andy and Ryan, we can put that up on the podcast page for today. Is that possible, or the show is the show podcasted anymore? Or no, 
I mean, it should be, right? Has it not been so. getting podcasted? I had, I actually, this is how I know. From this, last Friday, right? Right. I, when I had people coming up and complaining at the game, uh, that's whenever I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere with this show. <laughs> Where's the podcast at? Yeah. Search the ref uh, however you consume podcast. Yeah, I don't know why. Our shows never get podcasted. There's T-Row. There's The Rush. There's so yesterday's Steel wasn't Man. podcasted? No. Okay, I'll, I'll get on, it taken care of. Tuesday, locked in, Tuesday. Hold on. No. No. They okay. don't like us, Josh. They don't like us. Anyway, a couple of Air Comfort Solutions texts from the 405. I think it's possible that the Big Ten delayed the playoff expansion to buy time to get USC and UCLA into the Big Ten because they knew that playoff expansion would negatively affect the Big Ten's attempt to add UCLA and USC. Totally agreed. Interesting. Totally agreed. I don't know, though. I think they were coming regardless. Well, maybe. You get – I mean, there's, there's just more, more money that everybody gets. Right. If the 12-team ex- expansion of the playoffs had been approved, that makes it a little more lucrative to stick around in the Pac-12. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You it'd delay be, that thing, and then, and then all of a sudden it's, okay, well – now, now we're getting this big piece of the pie, right. and on and on and on and on. It, it was 100% calculated by sure. Kevin Warren. Um, from the 405 as well. Just caught the end of the Andy Staples interview. Is anyone talking about how the defense is not blitzing like Venables is known for? Likely because we are waiting until an opponent warrants it? Yes. Yes. You're, 100%. You're, you're yeah, on point. He's going to heat him up here very, very quickly. Probably not against the Golden flashes um i would say this you won't see that much this weekend no rocky road until nebraska but i do think that it's going to be a fun staple of this offense i really do or this defense excuse me uh here's one kind of reading between it uh for the 918 sounds like levy and uh, brent venables have different opinions on pace of the game no, I just – I don't think so at all. I think Levy was just saying that, hey, we're going to always be cognizant of what's going on. For instance, you had those two two quick three and outs, right, for, for Oklahoma. And then that next series, they went and what? They pounded the ball and got some points before halftime. So I just think more than anything – that's just that's not a disagreement. I mean, what, what what Andy said, right? Go back to the Andy Staples conversation. What Andy said was was very clear. You know, this is something that Bryn Venables has been challenged with his whole career, and he's had incredible success doing it. When he got the job at Clemson, what was the what was the charge? Hey, you got to make this defense work with Chad Morris's left lane hammer down offense. All right, go get him. You know, you got to make this work with a hurry up offense. And so I don't think that there is – I just think Jeff Levy was being honest about, hey, this matters to us. We're going to be very cognizant of it. Do we run a fast offense? You bet. Is our tempo blazing? You bet. But we're also going to be smart about making sure we're not putting our defense in a less than advantageous situation. Sure. I don't think there's a disagreement there by any stretch of the No, it's, it's an understanding that – Things have to work in cohesion. And meanwhile, meanwhile, for Brent Venables, it's a, hey, we're not going to make excuses. Right. 
I think that's what it is more than anything else. We're not going to be people that look at our defense and its numbers and say, well, if the offense would slow down just a little I bit. I know, and they shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't do that. That Look, those little mental games that you play and buy into, it becomes a part of your fabric. That's right, and that's and, not going to be the case. No, and so it's good that Brent Venables has taken that approach. I love it. Um, and then there was one more here that I wanted to get to. Our man Trav. Travis hit us up from T-Town. He is headed out. Travis Davidson, at Travis Skoll on Twitter. He is headed out to the FC Tulsa game tonight and doing the show from 2.30 to 6 p.m. They play Louisville. Louisville. Who, who, by the way, is on my list of teams I'm thinking about as an upset special, but I just I, – I, they, they got smoked by Syracuse last week. And UCF did some smoking last week, and that's six. But it's in the bounds. Anyway, um – FC Tulsa plays Louisville. The game starts at uh, 7.30. Gates open at 6.30. Each person that goes by the ticket office and says, Travis sent me, gets a free ticket. How about that? That's a pretty sweet deal. Not too bad at all. I, it doesn't look like there's a time constraint on this. So while Travis is out there from 2.30 to 6, all you have to do is go by the ticket office and say, Travis sent me, and you get a free ticket to a game tonight. Look, and you're in. Free stuff. FC Tulsa, baby. Uh, FC Tulsa became a thing pretty much after I left T-Town. So are you pretty upset about it? Yeah, I am because I would have been all about it. Now, they had another soccer team that was pretty big time, but I don't even know if it's all that involved anymore. The soccer scene in Tulsa is lit, Josh, is what I'm trying to tell you. It's booming, baby. All right, when we come back, it's 1033 on the home of Sooner fans. Let's see a little bit more of the Brent Venables presser, plus what Mike Gundy had to say about playoff expansion right here on The Ref. All right, uh, let, can you want to hear the full answer from Brent Venables? A good, good point on the Air Comfort Solutions text line from nine one eight Rod. Yeah. Oh, is that what nine one eight? Let's put his name on there. There's an easy way to, and then when you're mean to me, I Google your number so that way I can know who you are, and then sign you up for every yeah, single the, list that I can't stand. We did get one today, get back to sports, right off the top. We got I mean, it out of the way early. Dude, can Don't I talk you about your dogs. I mentioned I was so proud of it that I did, I did a reel. I've never Yawn. done a reel before. And I it, before I even got it out of my <laughs> mouth, it was like, oh, God, is this a sports station? Do you, are you going to talk about snacks now? I'm like, my gosh, man, calm Wait, down. are you trying to tell me you live your life? <laughs> Unbelievable. From the 918, I noticed Teddy said his opinion was that the fast-paced offense definitely affects the defense and their stamina. BV, however, disagreed. So are we going to eventually have a defense full of superhumans that never gets tired? Nice. <laughs> Yes, we well, will. Here's here's the thing, and I, I think Teddy would agree. Brent Venables is not going to allow his team to use that as an excuse. That's that's not allowable. All right, that's what I kind of took. Well, here, listen to it. It's a it's a lengthy answer, and I think it's actually you know Andy Staples. Oh, wrong wrong audio. Uh, Andy Staples was actually on. Moments ago, and he had asked the question, so here's what Brent Venable said about that. You know, that balance between what you want to do defensively and, you know, fast-paced offense that might have you back on the field rather quickly. Same way. And, and to lead into it, hey, 
are you having to do things differently here than you did at Clemson? Is there a different approach? Same way. You know, don't don't let the excuses. More sacrifice, less excuses. That kind of a mindset. And um, just basically what I said to y'all today and what I said to them, you know, yesterday. And there, nobody's making excuses in our in our uh, room, but I just wanted to make sure there was no narrative, uh, no chit-chat going on. And, uh, and then the next thing you know, it's, you know, now you're, you're doing this and we're not going to do that. And, uh, you know, for us to, again, continue to grow and develop, man, we, we, we control uh, the environment. You know, that's got to be our mindset. And, and so we got to get our guys to play cohesively together. And again, I always talk about giving the, the ball back to the offense as fast as possible. You want to, you want to, you know, overwhelm somebody and dominate somebody. Keep giving that offense the ball back uh, as fast as you can. And so, uh, we don't want to. And I know there's some different uh, metrics that are out there in uh, how many drives you defend and you know points per play and all that. And that stuff does matter. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, you know, I'm looking at game control and. Uh, I love not letting somebody get into a rhythm, and I want to stop everything. And that's the mindset. And but I'm also very conscious of the players I have and this and, and what they're good at and what they're not very good at. And so I got a great, uh, you know, a platform to see that every single day. And then we're trying to develop our team um, so that we're not limited, and we try to attack weaknesses every day and help guys get better. Uh, but you know. Uh, we, we have a very uh, intimate understanding of who we are, what we want to be, and and how do we get them where we want them to go. And so, you know, you don't put a square peg through a round circle. If a guy's a, if a guy, uh, uh, you know, defensive end is, you know, he can't set the edge, and and they're running the counter tray with 600 pounds coming around there, then you put him out there on third down. Don't put him out there on first and ten. Uh, if a corner is. Uh, not very good at, at press technique, then don't play him in press. <laughs> How many more times you got to get annihilated for you to know this guy can't do it, you know? And so uh, I, I think that, you know, there's, that's why we have a lot to what we do. And if anybody looked at us, we're, we do have a, a, a variety of things, but yeah, you itch where it scratches. And um, again, you, you know, this is year one, all right? We weren't, we weren't like that in year one at Clemson, uh, you know? We improved from whatever they were the year before I got there, and we made good improvement year one uh, from the beginning of the year to the end. Uh, I was miserable that first half of the year because we weren't where we, I wanted us to be, and we slowly, really about mid-year, started, started getting better. And then in 13, we got, we got better, you know. Uh, first game at Clemson, played Auburn, beat them. Last game of that first year, beat LSU. First game the next year in 13, beat Georgia. The last game that year in the Orange Bowl, beat Ohio State. Okay, and then 14, we led the country in 13, 14 categories, and um, then, but it was a, you know, it's development. You know, that was a group of guys, at freshmen and sophomore that that first year that, you know, bought in and worked and grinded it up and uh, and put the work in. So it's inch. I mean, there's there's more to it, and we'll listen to a little bit more of it coming up later on in the show, but that's, you know, that's honesty, right? It's hey, I. That was a miserable first part of the year whenever I was there. But it's installing it. It's understanding it. It's, it's knowing everything, and that's all part of the process and part of the not making excuses based on what your offense is doing. Sure. And 
how great of defense can Oklahoma play in 2022? I don't think Venables is setting any sort of ceiling on that, right, or an expectation to where Oklahoma can end up this season. But I do think he kind of gave us a glimpse right there that, look, it might take until year three to really have this thing fully humming how I want this group to play defense, right? And that's probably just tempering expectations and being a little bit more realistic about it. I I just think that's a fascinating element for Oklahoma. How quickly, and I've asked this question before, Plank, can this be done overnight? Can they flip this defense around this season right here, right now? Or is it getting different personnel in to a certain degree and right. then developing said personnel? And that's not to speak negatively about anybody that's here. It's just probably kind of a little bit to some degree the reality of the situation and I know everyone I know everyone wants it to be now snap your fingers boom done bingo bingo and in the end I just yeah it's not it's gonna take some time you know there's there's one guy who literally has sent 800 texts yeah the defensive line sucks yeah this de- listen hold on I'm gonna this is he hates the defensive line like our other texter One, hates dog two, conversations. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten. Ten texts to basically to say the defensive line is not good. Yeah, dude, we get it. We've <laughs> I, seen your text messages. I think your points have been made. <laughs> you don't think the line is very good. Um, I tend to say in game one, it's not going to be what it'll be in game two. And in game two, it's not going to be what it'll be in game three. And in game three, I, if – it follows the trajectory of Britt Venables-led defenses of years past, then, yeah, you're going to see it continue to improve. Well, and I think probably it's a pretty safe bet. Hey, guess what? This Oklahoma defensive line, it ain't Alabama. It ain't Georgia this year. It's, it's not Ohio State. It's certainly not Clemson, right? But what can Venables and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, how much can they squeeze out of – this group of talent that they have this season. And and they're not devoid of talent either. I'm not no, trying no. to say that. I, I think there's dudes, there's NFL talent. There is. There, there's dudes that are playing. I think Reggie Grimes has a chance to be that guy. I'm a firm believer in what Jeffrey Johnson can be. But it's, Jalen Redmond? It's going to take time. You know, it's Redmond's a fascinating. He didn't play a lot on Saturday. I'd love to see snaps. But, you know, I can, what, I can get you some PFF numbers if you'd like. How many snaps did Justin Harrington have? Hang tight. I'll, I'll get these answers for pull, you. Pull I, I felt like Justin Harrington wasn't on the field very much. And maybe that was just a byproduct of what UTEP was doing. So, anyway, you look that up. We'll actually stay on the clock. We'll take a timeout. Top five stories of the day coming up at 11 a.m. presented by Newcastle Casino. It's a Wednesday edition of the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Um... We have quite the fight going on over the defensive line right now in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Yeah, don't you trash my defensive line, you scumbags. I think if you were to say – Sorry, don't take that personally. That, that, was, that, that was Be very joke. clear. That was, that was a joke. A joke. <laughs> yeah. um, if you were to question, hey, I want to see him get home more, that's fine. I, I get that. But, I mean, as the 918 points out, D-line had five sacks just along the line. How does that say the D-line sucks? It's already better than week one last season. We've seen them play 
60 minutes against UTEP. I don't know that we have a good good enough reference point to have any strong opinions one oh, way or the other. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Fascinating. I mean, look, like I said, are they going to be Alabama, Georgia, whatever? No, they probably have a ways to go in that regard. No. But right. They, they might be one of the best in the Big 12, could be the best collectively in the Big 12. And there's some good defensive linemen in this league, by the way. Yeah, I think part of it, Josh, is it's a matter of where your expectation level is, right? If you sure. came into this and you expected, shut them down, we're throwing shutouts day one, Brent Venable's mindset, no one's going to touch us, We're then, yeah, you're probably going to be a little disappointed when and they score 13. If you're looking for Gerald McCoy and Tommy Harris this season – Across the board, defensive line-wise, you you might be searching a little bit longer. It's a great line. The Rick Patino rant. Hey, walking through that door. Not walking through that door. I don't know how much we'll learn on Saturday. I was watching a little bit of Kent State last night, and they weren't – they were overmatched. They were overmatched against Washington, who I don't think is a very good football team. And hey, can I – I haven't had a chance to talk to the Kent State coach yet, but I guess I don't understand the logic of staying in Oklahoma for a week before this game. I I, I reached out to Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World to see what their uh, what the coach had said about it because to me, someone who has stayed in a hotel for an extended amount of time, I mean, are you not kind of burning away some of that money you just made by? putting 82 guys up in a hotel for the better part of a week and not just getting back home. So they get, and I, maybe Kent State hasn't started classes yet, but isn't it about the same to go from Seattle back to Ohio as it is from Seattle to Norman? Am I, am I missing something here? Yeah, I don't know. What would be the thought process I don't know. that? It's, we got all this cash. We might as well Maybe so. It. It's like, hey, listen, we played Washington. We got OU. We got Georgia next week. Let's spend some of this money now. Let's go. We're staying in a hotel. And pra- I'm sure they have to pay to play at practice at Union, right? Why listen all week to KREF on the app when we could just flip on the radio this week? Hey, there's a lot. And, and I, again, like I said, I haven't heard a thorough explanation of it. But if you take games against Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia – you're obviously doing it for budgetary reasons. Why would you blow your budget out to stay in a hotel for a week and not just get back to campus? It's not like, I mean, Seattle to Oklahoma can't be that much of a difference from Seattle to Ohio, right? And, well, it's one less flight. But you're still busing from Tulsa to Norman. And as somebody who loves that route and did it incessantly for you know close to 15 years yeah I don't know yeah I think Crimson 47 is probably on to it they're trying to get used to that Oklahoma heat that's not a bad idea either uh, but again it's played at six o'clock and I'll tell you what I was outside last night at about seven and it was nice yeah no six o'clock this kick it'll basically be 15 it's degrees good point. out there yeah it's a good point hey do you want snap counts are you curious about that Justin Harrington I've got it as 23 total snaps. Don't, so then – Anybody else you want to know about? Who had the most snaps in on defense? Was Danny it, Stutzman. How many? 72. Deshaun White? Had 59. Okay. Which was 
basically so second he, most. Okay, okay. He played a lot. Okay. Um, and then who was the other one that we mentioned that I was curious about? Oh, Jalen Redmond. Played 35 snaps. Okay, so he played maybe a little bit more than even I thought. All right. So here's how this will be interesting for you. Okay, Reggie Grimes, 37 snaps. Downs, 36. Kelly, 36. Redmond, 35. R. Mason Thomas, 32. Marcus Stripling, 30. Isaiah Coe, 29. Jeffrey Johnson, 26. Jonah Laula, 26. Wow. So Lula. pretty yeah, pretty balanced. Pretty evenly spread. Even Kelvin Gilliam got 21. Yeah, I thought Gilliam looked good. I felt like he was pushing the the line back whenever he was in there. Okay. So it's not as few as maybe I had initially thought is is what you're saying. <laughs> Dallas Bill. Well, Chris, when they stay at the hotel that was across the street from your old job, you pay cheap for the entertainment. Dallas Bill, you might have misspelled cheap. That's fine. If there's an A in there somewhere, it's it's fine. I, I think I get where you were going. A is for effort. <laughs> uh, when when I worked at Clear Channel slash iHeart in Tulsa, uh, they were in what everyone would tell me is, it's the old Ertleys. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but it was on 26th and Memorial, and literally it was right across the street, Josh, from a crack motel that would have a bust at least once a week. Oh, really? That's yeah. like, you, if you're an officer, you just sit out there and you get yeah. an arrest? So you would look out your, your window. I mean, we don't have a window to the outside in this studio, but you would look out your window at least once a week, and there was a police presence in some way, shape, or form. All right, top five stories of the day. This is where we move beyond football sometimes to get you caught up on everything in the world of sports right here on The Ref.